Our lesson comes from later in Galatians in the fifth chapter, verses 13 through 14. For you were called to freedom, brothers and sisters. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for self-indulgence, but through love become slaves of one another. For the whole law is summed up in a single commandment. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Now we our vow of faith renew. Stretch wide our sights to global view. And claim with Christians far and near a larger family held dear. Amen. How would you define the word freedom? If I had a mic, well, I do. I could walk down there and we could do a little survey. I did that at the early service and people said, is the ability to choose, the lack of restraint, the lack of coercion. When I was a child, freedom meant hiding from my mother and her chore list so that I could read my book. For those entering college, freedom may mean no curfew, no restraints. Parents of small children, freedom might mean an uninterrupted telephone conversation. What is it about a phone call that a child who has been perfectly happy for 30 minutes that they need suddenly when the phone rings, mama, 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 mama? For those who have a chronic illness, a mental illness, or the deep wounds of abuse, freedom could mean healing. For the working poor in our neighborhoods, freedom is having good public transportation and a living wage. When I was first a pastor at a small church, we lived in a manse, a house provided by the church, and it was right next door to the church. And you couldn't be sure that my every move was watched. Whether I accidentally mowed down the dogwood in the front yard or what flowers I planted. So it was with a sense of freedom I went to my first continuing education event. I got on Highway 81 going north. I turned up the radio really loudly, opened the windows, sang my heart out to rock and roll in Motown. I was having a blast. Such a sense of freedom. And then I looked to my left and I saw a blue light. (laughs) And I looked down and realized that I was speeding and not just a little bit. And so I got a ticket. Freedom always comes with limits. 
limits that are there for our well-being and other people's well-being, whether it's traffic laws or laws about stealing or break-ins or whatever they may be. Freedom always works best with limits. For Nelson Mandela in South Africa, for to be free is not merely to cast off one's chains, but to live in a way that respects and enhances the freedom of others. When we think about freedom in this country, we have so many cherished freedoms. The freedom to worship or not worship. Free speech, free press. So many countries do not have a free press. The right to a fair trial. The right to petition. We live in a society that is ordered by law, and we have an extraordinary amount of security. Particularly when we compare our country with those countries that are full of anarchy and deprivation and war. The stirring words of Thomas Jefferson defines our ideal of freedom. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. It is a dream that has stirred people of every nation to come to our shores. Our freedoms are precious. And yet when we read the Apostle Paul, not surprisingly, he has a different understanding of what Christian freedom is. He starts from a very different place. Instead of we can all pull ourselves up by our own bootstraps, Paul starts with we are all enslaved. We are either enslaved to the powers of the world and the standards of the world, or we are enslaved to God. Now, most self-respecting Americans probably would not like Paul saying that. It goes against our grain, against our notions of freedom. Paul would tell us that absolute freedom is not possible. Either our allegiance is to God first, or it is to the standards and powers of the world. Now, I don't think any of us day to day think much about being enslaved, do we? Maybe if we are struggling with an addiction that has so much power, we could understand that language. But there are subtle forms of slavery, like the mythology of the supermom. I have to be all things to all people and raise perfect children. I know that pressure. When my son was young, I had to get him in everything that all the other kids were doing, and I wanted him to do well in school, and it was enormous pressure, and I ended up not free but exhausted. Anybody here know what I'm talking about? 
or consider being chained to our phones 24-7, available to do work all the time, available for that next text or email or the new flashing news coming across our phone. And what we end up with often is a sense of anxiety instead of fear, instead of freedom, a sense of anxiety and fear instead of freedom. A member of our congregation told me that he and his family had gone to the beach for a week, and on the way home, he got out his cell phone. I didn't say anything about driving and listening to your phone, but he started to check his messages. And one of his children in the back seat muttered, Here we go again. No more fun. We can also become bound by religious customs and traditions. We equate being Christian with certain political points of view on both sides along the spectrum. We equate being religious as being moral or good. We equate faith with people becoming like we are and doing things like we do it. That was true in the letter to the Galatians. There were some that were saying, in order to be fully Christian, you've got to keep all the Jewish law. And Paul has a fit. There is nothing polite in this letter within the first paragraph. He starts cursing these people who say, you have to add something else to the good news of Jesus Christ. He says, you've got it all wrong. We are not Christians because we are good and law-abiding. We are Christian because God is good to us. We are not Christian because of the depth or quality of our faith, but because of God's faithfulness to us in Jesus Christ. We are not acceptable to God because we are the right sorts of people and our children do well in school. We are acceptable to God simply because God loves us and adopts us as daughters and sons. We are Christian not because we are worthy, but because God and Jesus Christ gives us worth. Christian freedom is liberation from perfectionism, rescue from self-absorption, deliverance from self-destruction and the destruction of others. It is release from slavery to the values of the world that only bring resentment, conflict, hatred, and evil. In God's eyes, this is what I imagine, that God looks out over the world and he doesn't see black, white, Asian, or mulatto because God is colorblind. I imagine that when God looks out over the world, he doesn't see Muslim and Jew and Hindu and Sikh and Christian or no believer. What God sees is people in need of love and forgiveness. 
I imagine that when God looks at us, he doesn't see Tea Party or Democrat or Republican or Socialist or Libertarian. God sees a people in need of love and forgiveness and unity. God sent Jesus into the world because God loves the Palestinian and the Jew. Every people on the face of the earth, God loves us. And maybe you have known that love. I hope so. Maybe there has been a time in your life when you have gone through such a hard time and unexpectedly you knew the presence of God with you. I was visiting someone in the hospital this week who was in her 80s and she said, I experienced that. For the first time in my life, I knew God was with me. Thanks be to God. Or perhaps intellectually you have been shaped by the scriptures and your perspective has opened up and you've seen things through God's eyes. That's God's working in you too. Or perhaps unexpectedly in a moment of worship your heart has lived in praise and it changes you. That's what the early church experienced. They experienced God breaking down the dividing walls of hostility between Gentile and Jew, between Greek and Palestinian, between races and classes, and Christianity spread like wildfire. For in Christ there is neither Greek nor Jew, slave or free, male or female. That's one of the earliest baptismal formulas. The tragedies of violence against people in a gay nightclub. The killing of unarmed black men and the assassination of police officers has vividly reminded us that we are not yet a nation that lives the dream that all people are created equal, that all people deserve equal justice and respect. And these events have deeply grieved us. However, there have been glimpses of God breaking down the dividing walls of hostility, even in these months. Leisha Evans is a registered nurse from New York who went down to Baton Rouge to protest the killing of a black man who was unarmed. And she stood in this flowing summer dress and quietly faced three policemen in riot gear and held her hands out to be handcuffed. And she didn't get angry. What she said was, this is God's work. I am a vessel. And there was a protest in Baton Rouge, and there were people lined up with on one side with Black Lives Matter and there were some white people on the other side who were heckling them. And the black folk crossed the street and they reached out their hand and said, Hi, I'm Letitia. I'm James. Who are you? And the black folks went up to the white folks and said, We are all brothers and sisters here. And what ended up 
What had started out as a conflict and anger ended up in this hug fest. It was remarkable. After five policemen were gunned down in Dallas, people all over America started going up to cops and saying, I really appreciate what you're doing. They brought them flowers and cookies and gave them hugs. And 467 people applied to be peace officers in Dallas to uphold the common good. Now, it's really hard for us to change our perspective, to see with colorblind eyes as God does. It is hard for well-educated, competent people to admit they need God's help. We know this because when we ask for prayer, somebody always mentions their neighbor, but they never say they need something. But the reconciliation that Christ brings can only be accomplished with prayer and listening and hearing the stories of others. Across the nation, there is a movement called Come to the Table, where blacks and whites come to share their stories and listen. At this church in January for Sunday school, Dr. Ed Ayers, who is a noted historian and the past president of the University of Richmond, he will be here to talk about the legacy of slavery and its effect on today. And then there's this team of folks who will invite us to be part of groups in a safe way to share our own experience of what race does to us. It's an incredible opportunity. It's an opportunity to spread God's love and to help make sure that Richmond doesn't become Baton Rouge or Orlando, or Dallas. When God looks at us, God sees sons and daughters, people in need of love and healing. And in gratitude, we submit to the love and joy of God for us. Amen.